true crime podcast. Some of the content on the show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys and welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host, Veronica. And I'm your host, Destiny. Oh my gosh, I thought my mic wasn't on for a second. I was like, hi guys, I'm talking to no one. It's on, it's on. Uh, before we start the show today, I wanted to ask you all, if you haven't, uh, please give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, all three, whichever you prefer, uh, at Crime Wives Podcast. And if you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at crimewivespodcast at gmail.com. I just wanted to get that out right now. Sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> and also, don't forget, rate and review us wherever yes. you listen to wherever us. Wherever you're listening please. right now, please. Yeah. And then go tell a friend about us. That's helpful. Just to do it. Like, like. Tell them that you like us. That's helpful. <laughs> Tell them that, you they know, should. they're all right. I'll take it. <laughs> be, be like, have you heard of podcasts before, Grandma? <laughs> I've got a thing to show all you. Right. <laughs> Do you know, I got to tell you this story really quick, is that my coworker, her mom listens to us, and she works at a prison. Oh. And oh. she was talking about it with... Um, and, like, one of the inmates, like, overheard us. And he mm-hmm. was like, how do I listen to this? And he bought, like, a radio thinking oh. that he would be able to listen to us. Oh, man. But he couldn't, obviously. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Also, what was he in for? Yeah. Um, she didn't <laughs> like, know. Some, I'm kind of flattered. But, but also, also kind of creepy. Should I be scared? <laughs> when we say we don't care who you are, just listen to us. We mean it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, a listen's a listen. We'll take it. You will take it. Uh, just, like, but... don't find us anywhere in real yeah. life. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No. <laughs> Depending. No, no, don't find us in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Just find us in fake life. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> there we go. There that's, we go. That's so great. That's kind of sad. <laughs> like, so great. I know. I was like, oh, I didn't get to listen to us. Oh, sad day. But, okay. Well, he's in jail. So. Yeah. So. Sorry. <laughs> it happens. Um, so, what are you going to be, or what are you doing this week? Well, you see, the only thing I'm going to talk about today, because it's Halloween, obviously. We yes. all know. Week of Halloween. We're recording Right before Halloween. I am hungover from a Halloween party we just had last night. Mm -hmm. Hi. Um, Headache. Uh, What I'm going... That's it. That's all I have going on this week. But, um, you guys, I lost my wedding ring yesterday. (laughs) And it was rough and it was scary. And my uh, faith in humanity was restored this morning when Target, where I apparently dropped my wedding ring in the parking lot... I, I, it literally, it fits me. My ring fits me fine. I, at some point, my ring fell off. A random stranger found it, went inside and said, did anyone lose their ring? But she didn't want to leave the ring there. She said, I, I'm going to keep this ring. I don't want it to go to the wrong person. Here's my phone number. Have her call me. So I called her and she um, had me describe it to her. And I'm trying, I'm literally crying through tears, trying to describe <laughs> it to her. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, um... And then I find, I was like, I have a lot of pictures in it. Do you want me to send you my wedding <laughs> pictures? Like I was. So I did end up sending her a picture. I sent her a picture of it after she had confirmed. Like she was like, no, absolutely. Let's meet at Target. This is clearly yours. She used to be a, she used to work at a jewelry place, I guess. Yeah, that's wild. It dude. is wild. I, um, I can't believe that somebody found it. And um, I was so stoked that I won. So stoked. I haven't picked it up yet. So um, I'm going to go be picking up my wedding ring later. <laughs> right? And... I know. When you walked up to me last night and you were like, I have to tell you something. I had to tell somebody. And you just told me. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then I looked at Travis and I was like, oh, no. I felt the worst for my husband. We have He picked that thing. We... We had zero, and I, in my brain, I had zero intention of getting married. I was just contented to be with Travis for the rest of my life. So when he picked that wedding ring out, 
it was a lot of work for him. It was, yeah. I mean, a lot of, he knew. And also, it's a $5,000 wedding. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, we just, next Tuesday, we put the last um, payment on it and we'll have it paid off. So, um, and the lady, whenever she had called, I was like, we don't have a lot of money. That's like the most expensive thing we own. <laughs> She's like, I knew it meant something to someone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, amazing lady, obviously. Yes. That's I insane. Know. I and feel great. like after here, I should like, pick up flowers on the way yeah. or something like, like flowers yeah. wine coffee yeah or anything you want <laughs> here's my child <laughs> just kidding kind of JK. Lincoln's like what <laughs> what <laughs> so that's what I'm doing today <laughs> the rest of the week is just Halloween <laughs> I mean hey Halloween's great though yeah what are you doing this week um I mean obviously that party I'm kind of stoked because it was supposed to be at like both our places most of the mess stayed over at the other place oh yeah and then like the casual laid back part of it which is very unlike like usually it'd be the opposite yeah, this is the party house that's the casual yeah place. but it the casualness was over here yeah so i was stoked um i feel great today thankfully so we'll just say that yeah um, i mean i'm better now right right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah i mean we have halloween coming up Mm-hmm. I am going to go hang out with some friends downtown, Yeah, so I'm pretty stoked on that. But besides that, I just have, like, my normal darts, things like that, yeah. recording. Good all week. Yeah, just the casual, but I'm excited for Halloween. I ended up not doing Jigsaw because I was like, meh, and I was a zombie. Yeah. So. Zombie zombies. Yep, she was, was a fun. zombie. I called my friend. It's her best, or it's my best friend's birthday today, and oh. she's like, what were you for Halloween? And I was like, I was a zombie. And she's like, God, you're boring. And I was like, oh, you're lucky. I fucking love you. And I was like, what did you do? And she's like, homework. And I was like, shut oh, up, Speaking of loser. boring. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I think it's because I, I might have called her boring first. Because I was like, what <laughs> did <might>. you? <laughs> the story just changed in the middle of it. Right? I was like, what did you do for your birthday? Or what did you do What you do last night? She's like, homework. And I was like, oh, it's like high school again. I have a party and you do homework. So... <laughs> We, like, lived together in high school, and my mom's always like, why can't you be more like Jamie? She always does her homework and does great things, and you're, too busy always, partying, you're always being social, and you're out with your friends, and I was like, sorry. Your, your problem? Tell yeah. me. What's, what's She's the like, take here? Jamie, and I was like, she doesn't want to go. <laughs> but, um, no, so, yeah, it's her yeah. birthday, happy birthday, and yeah. Tune back in whenever we're recording the day before Halloween, and we're just still talking about how it's almost Halloween. Yeah, it'll still almost <laughs> be Halloween. Tomorrow. Right? Um, but then I still do have the big news, um, but it, I don't think anything's happened of it yet, so oh. maybe I'll be able to tell you guys Wednesday. She's stoked about news that has not taken place yet, yeah, so but it will. I think. <laughs> maybe. It'd be weird now, if it didn't. Now I'm reevaluating what's going on. I haven't heard anything, so. You better find new news to talk about. I thought it was going to happen a couple days ago, so now I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, awkward. Um, anyways. <laughs> okay, so what, what are you going to be talking about this week? Okay, backstory. Um, this one I found a few, I think like in the summertime I found this one. I was like, well, this is a weird story. Save this for later. And, um... I, I just could not settle with one, and I've been looking, we've had requests, and so I've been looking up some for requests. Um, those are a little bit longer, and um, I haven't had as much time to research. So, I'm looking at this, and I was like, whoa, this, this feels like a story <laughs> worth telling. <laughs> so, um, it's, basically, this whole story is like a two-day period. That's all nice. the story is. Yeah, so, it's 
the story of, we'll say, Stanley Dean Baker. Okay. I haven't and heard of him. Nope. <laughs> okay, great. Because me either. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start where this where the story starts. Also, I literally got all of this from Wikipedia. And okay. there's some like, I mean, not Wikipedia, Murderpedia. Oh, Murderpedia um, is great. And they have so many sources yes. and everything like that. So there's not, which again, there's not that much about him. So I knew I needed to go to Murderpedia and see what was all compiled. Still not that much. So um, this a person had wrote, written an article like in like 1992, which is most of this. Um, okay. But he was, I think, either from Canada who wrote it or British because it was very work. It was weirded. I had to like deconstruct the story. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, anyways, at three o'clock on the afternoon of Saturday 11th, uh, or I'm sorry, Saturday July 11th, 1970, a man was out fishing in the banks of Yellowstone River. Uh, in Montana. So, I don't know if you've ever been... I'm, it's, have you ever been to Montana? Yeah. Yellowstone National Park, you ever been there? No. There's just buffalo everywhere. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Everywhere. Yeah, for some reason, felt worth saying that. So, he's out fishing in Montana um, on the Yellowstone River when his line catches on something and he thinks that he has snagged like a rock, a rock, a log or a rock or a rock. When he finally kind of pulls it in... Uh-huh. It's the torso of a human oh. remains body. Just a torso. Just a torso. Not even a body. It's just uh-huh. a torso. Just a torso. So, he obviously drove, like, wherever he is, he's alone. Yellowstone National Park is, I don't know that he's in the national park, but that whole area is so remote. Mm-hmm. You just feel like you are away from civilization. And this is in the 70s, so I can only Even imagine. more so, I'm sure. Yeah. So, he has to drive to go contact somebody. Um, he drove to the nearest ranch, um, probably in... <laughs> of course. Yeah, yes. Probably in shock, uh, to call the deputy. Uh, deputy... <laughs> Deputy Bigelow is his name. Shut your mouth. It's real, I think, I hope. I didn't, like, double check, but it seems real. Okay. So, Deputy Bigelow, who was stationed at the entrance of Yellowstone National Park. Okay, he is in the park. Got it. um, Responded to the call. Uh, With the aid of some local men, the deputy waded the turbulent river and dragged out the body uh, kind of onto the shoreline. And this is how I pictured it. Three dudes kind of just looking at it, like, standing over it or looking at it. They examined the body, and uh, though it was a custom routine for the deputy to be, like, used to drowning victims a lot, apparently, Mm -hmm. uh, he knew right away that it was murder because it was missing its head. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) the three men examined what was left of the body. It was a male body dressed in shorts. Uh, Apart from the missing head, the arms had also been severed. At the shoulders, uh, the legs were chopped off at the knees. The abdomen and the chest were covered with stab wounds with a particularly large, ugly hole in the chest. Jesus. Brutal. Yeah. So that same day, the body remains were taken to the coroner. um, And then this is just basically a quote, copy-paste quote, that he says um, after he examines it. I never saw anything like it. The poor fellows, uh, the poor fellow had been stabbed about 25 times. Uh, I figure he'd been in the water for maybe about a day. He was a young fellow, probably in his early 20s. Oh, and there's one other thing. The heart is missing. End quote. Um, uh, okay, that's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, One other thing. No heart, by the way. Also no heart. I know he's got no head, no arms, no legs, also no heart. So, the torso was taken by ambulance to the morgue in Livingston for a proper autopsy to be carried out. Uh, While police... Uh, we're basically sending messages to each other, but it's teletyped. I, I, 
I am so, I feel like I'm old (laughs) and I still don't know what teletype is. I'm like, like, teletyped. I'm like, what? The 40s? Nope, the 70s. Uh, teletype details of the victim to Wyoming. So at this point, they find the body. They start sending each other, like, hi, is anyone missing anybody or anything yeah. or any arms? And it was impossible to tell where the body had been dumped in the river. Um, but the Yellowstone passed through Wyoming. So, yes, it's, like, all that area. So it could have been anywhere, essentially, is what the next part of this says. Although police searched the river and banks for many miles, no traces of the missing limbs were found. The results of the autopsy indicated that the victim had been stabbed 27 times. Holy shit. uh, With a sharp pointed blade of at least five inches length. Uh, The removal of the head and limbs had been crudely performed, uh, possibly with a knife used to inflict the stab wounds. Okay. Whatever was used to stab also used the, which it wasn't very good knife. (laughs) That's all that this is trying to say. Yeah. Um, and then the victim was in his early 20s and had been dead for 24 hours when it was found. Oh, wow. So not even that long. Not even that long. On the following Monday, it's just crazy how this all, like, comes about to me. So, following Monday morning, a teletyped message arrived at the sheriff's office in Livingston. The message was concerning of a, or concerning a missing person who resembled the description of the torso. I'm like, oh, well, oh, yeah. Yeah, so... A male with shorts on. Um, this person that was missing's name was James Michael Schlosser. Yeah, Schlosser. Schloss. It's hard to say, but I'm. It's Schlosser. Schlosser. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was 22 and had been reported missing from uh, the town called Roundup. <laughs> this all sounds okay, big. Montana. Bigelow and Roundup. <laughs> A hundred miles away that same morning, so he had left Friday to drive to Yellowstone Park in his. Opel Cadet sports car, uh, but had not showed up from work on Monday. When his office, or like when the people that worked at his office got in touch with his landlord, they discovered that the young social worker, that's what he did for a living, um, also had not returned home. Schlosser, geez, I should have, I don't know why I kept using his last name. Schlosser was described as being six feet tall and weighing 200 pounds around 200 pounds uh the age height weight matched the torso so they decided to look further into this yeah. guy's disappearance sheriff guitoni oh my gosh put out an alert for sightings of the opel cadet car which might have been dumped in the area obviously they're just looking for it it was a 1969 vehicle yellow with black racing stripes yeah very very distinct yes very distinct car an hour later that same car was reported in the minor i'm sorry in a minor wreck with a pickup truck on a dirt road in Monterey County, California, just a few miles from the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> what? Yeah. That car had already, it took two days, and it was already in it's California. It's already like, peace out, I'm in yep. Cali now, mm-hmm. from Montana. Yes. Okay. So, the car had been traveling at high speeds on the wrong side of the road. The truck suffered only a dented bumper, but got out and these two people or he's like gets out with the intention you know they all pull over sorry we got in a wreck he gets out of his truck and approached the car two tall young men got out the driver of the truck to describe them as typical californian hippies with long hair and beards one with long blonde hair and the other with long brown hair <laughs> okay that's like oh, okay typical california hippies huh? <laughs> 
It's the 70s, I guess. I mean, they could have been, like, typical Portland hippies. Could have been a couple of our friends. It could have been girls. Just kidding. It was dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. It could be my husband, for crying out loud. That's true. He has long hair and a beard. (laughs) Typical hippie California. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, in the 70s, that's that's just how they described him, I guess. So, the driver of the truck offered to give the two a ride so that they could, because their car had been pretty banged up, so they, they couldn't drive it anymore. And um, they were also driving it on the wrong side of the road. So anyways, for whatever reason, they agreed to ride with him and they would all go call the police and basically report the incident. Um, But when they arrived to wherever they went, there was a phone. The two men got out of his truck and just ran off. At least they ran off. Yeah, I was like, I totally thought this was about to go into He was about to die. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So the driver instead reported the incident and then reports the two men that just ran off. As it turns out, a patrolman, his name is Randy Newton, was out cruising the Pacific Coast Highway when he got the call over his radio and turned off onto a dirt road that was near the area because he gets the call on his radio and is like, well, I'm in that area, and if they're just now leaving, I could probably catch these yeah. random dudes or see them. And of course, he came upon the suspects fitting the description and walking along the road. <laughs> he went, they just ran away and went to the road, like... Like, he could have easily drove past them again. Like, he's in a vehicle, (laughs) and they're just wandering down the road. Okay. This guy's guy's going to go call the police. These guys are smart. Oh, well, you go find out why. (laughs) Um, So he comes upon them walking on the road, um, just two miles outside of Lucia. They were trying to hitchhike. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're not the smartest of them. But the two men had no identification, but readily admitted to having been the two men that were driving the yellow car involved in the accident. So um, Newton, this patrolman, arrests them right there and radioed for assistance. When the fellow officers arrived, two suspects were handcuffed and advised of their rights. So they're, they were arrested right there. They're like, we don't know what's going on, but we're arresting you. Yeah. You're suspicious. So the blonde man, for they get in the back of the seat of the car, and suddenly the blonde man wants to talk. Like, he's got lots to say, and he just, he's very anxious. Are they in the same car? Mm-hmm. It's the 70s. They were, they were just down the, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. So, he identified himself as Stanley Dean Baker. He was 23 years old, and his friend was Harry Allen Stroop. He was 20 years old. Stanley Baker said they were both from Sheridan, Wyoming. So, that's... Yeah. And had been traveling together since June 5th. And they basically, he says that they've just been hitchhiking all over. Uh, the two dudes are searched, and in Baker's pockets, police find small lengths of bone. Officer Newton um, studied uh... them curiously <laughs> and asks, hey, what are these? <laughs> and Baker just blurted out, they ain't chicken bones, they are human fingers. And then he added, for some reason, this is just the craziest, this is, what makes this case is this next phrase. He says, I have a problem. I'm a cannibal. <laughs> oh my god. So that's just, I was like, what is happening? He's yeah. just a very open. Yeah. I have a problem. He's like, I've got some They ain't chicken you. bones and they... I got a problem. I'm yeah. like, okay. Okay. We get that, obviously, uh, you yes. crazy mofo. So both men are taken to the police station in Monterey. Baker continues to talk, uh, it's kind of like he just wants to empty out all of his dirty garbage, about um, his compulsion to eat human flesh. He claimed to have developed a taste for it after having electric shock treatment for a nervous disorder when he was 17, and also referred to himself as Jesus. 
oh okay yeah. he's like yeah know what i crave meat now yeah and like not just animal meat like um, your meat like yours Rawr. yeah i'm a little more than a carnivore <laughs> and wants to tell people about it um at the police station detective dempsey billy biley probably biley it's not spelled like billy anyways he took he takes over the questioning uh right away stanley baker admitted to killing james slosher like right as they sit down they're like they, apparently there's no like there wasn't too much interrogation. That's what I'm looking for. They didn't have to interrogate him very much. They were like, so we noticed that you were driving a yellow car that was missing in Wyoming. We also noticed that the owner of that car is missing. And apparently he was just like, yep, I killed him. <laughs> and they're oh like, oh my God. Okay. Cause we did find a torso body. Okay. Baker almost boasted about the murder saying Stroop, the guy that was with him, had not been with him, had not been with him at the time. Um, his version of the story was that Stroop had split up when they reached Big Timber a few miles from Livingston uh, because Baker had managed to hitchhike, uh, to hitch a ride with this James Slosher guy. And apparently James went alone. I don't, I, I don't know why they separated. Uh, yeah. Or if they really did. Yeah. You know? um, that part of it, he was just very adamant. This guy was not with me. I did this alone. But if you guys are hitchhiking together, I don't know. When Schlosser, that's so hard for my mouth to say. When Schlosser had um, said he was going to Yellowstone Park for the weekend, Baker had asked to go with him, basically. And this James Schlosser guy was like, sure, yeah, come with me. I don't know why he was so trusting, but he was right? um, He was not a hippie guy. He They describe him as, like, obviously he's a social worker. He's got a nice little car. He's Just got put a together. job. Yeah, a little more put together. Yeah. So, I mean, it could have potentially not gone that way. He could have been like, I'm going with you and right. threatened him. Also so. that. Who knows? So, um, according to Stanley Baker, in the middle of the night, Baker had crept over to his sleeping companion and shot him twice in the head with a twenty-two pistol. Okay. That apparently he just habitually car- carried with him, which is why hitchhiking is not... <laughs> I'm here to tell you this story so that you don't hitchhike. So, Just in case they haven't learned that from yeah, any of our previous... Any of the other ones. Yeah. We talk about a lot of hitchhiking stuff. Yeah. Ooh, yay, Garoonies. Okay. So, um... He shoots him in the head, and then just from there, straight into, he then says he cut, he had cut up the body into six parts, removing the head, arms, and legs, which with this tiny little knife that he has, I cannot imagine how long that took. Oh, God. When police asked what he had done with his heart, he said, I ate it raw. So oh, my effing uh, disgusting. Huh? He explained that he had cut off the dead man's fingers to have something to chew on. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh my I, god. I forgot that I had to say this out loud. <laughs> and then dumped the remainder of the body in the river along with the pistol before diving or driving off with his victim's car. Later. What a mom. Oh my god. Uh huh. So. A, and he's just casually just like, well, I wanted to chew on it. Oh, I, I ate his heart raw. It's no big deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am very glad that I don't have whatever he has. <laughs> cannibalism instincts like what what do you even call that i don't know um electro thought electro thought electro shock um repercussions <laughs> i mean that's a very like oh yeah you can blame it electro shock therapy on a lot of things but like cannibalism not one of them and in fact the next part is probably what we'll what we're gonna blame it on okay Later, he says, after he dumps the body off, later he meets up with Harry Stroop um, along the road and offered him a lift. So apparently he sees his friend hitchhiking He's again. like, oh, cool, it's you. Hey, you, you look, you look like a, a car. <laughs> 
So he insisted that Stroop had, like, apparently he just couldn't stop saying this guy had nothing to do with it. Both men were searched thoroughly, and among among Baker's possessions um, was a recipe for LSD and a paperback book called The Satanic Bible, which was a handbook of devil worship with instructions on how to conduct a black mass. <laughs> so, oh my god. So LSD, yeah. I'm going to assume, is the true culprit behind here. this. Jesus. Yes. yes. Okay. So, Baker described the location of the camp where he had killed Slosher. Slosher. Gosh, so hard to say his name. And when the police officers were able to locate it and searched, they found evidence that a murder had in fact taken place um, in this spot because the ground was splattered with blood, uh, it splattered with dry blood, blood stained. Uh, oh, and the hunting knife was there. Oh, gotcha. And um, there was also a ton of remains found that included human bone fragments, teeth, skin, and a severed human ear. Holy God. <laughs> I don't know why I like Morbid. <laughs> yeah. Quite obviously, the two men were uh, were arrested. Um, the case, even though it was already seemed really disgusting, um, Baker was not done talking. Oh, no. <laughs> According to his statement, he had been um, recruited by satanic cultists from a college campus in his home of Wyoming, an alleged member of the homicidal um, 4P movement, Baker had sworn allegiance to the cult's master, known to inmates as Grand Chingong. Okay. <laughs> and he was committed other slangs. Um, he, he starts saying that he committed other slangs on the cult's behalf. There had been human sacrifices he reported to the Santa Ana Mountains, um, south of Los Angeles. So this was, I at first was like, this guy was on LSD, and this is a one-time thing, and LSD made him want human flesh. However, uh, displaying supposed cult tattoos, Baker also confessed participating in the April 20th, 1970 murder of Robert Salem, a 40-year-old lighting designer in San Francisco. So he's been all over also. Jesus. Salem had been stabbed 27 times. Okay. And nearly decapitated. So he, it's the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. He also had left a severed ear at that site. Okay, so, so this his, is his thing. Yeah. Um, Baker attributed to orders from Grant, says this is because he killed this one because it was um, orders of Grand Ching on his cult group. Wow. And slogans. Talk about an allegiance. <laughs> uh, yes, he was definitely allegiant. And he um, had painted the walls of uh, this guy's house, Robert Salem's house, including. Uh, that some of the stuff that was on the walls said Zodiac and Satan saves. They were meant to stir up panic um, in an atmosphere already tense from the Manson murders, um, but obviously they somehow knew they were not connected. Yeah. Baker, 22, his 20-year-old companion, um, returned to Montana on July 20th, and then that's when this takes place, or this other one takes place. Uh, the pair remained in Park County Jail, but on August 4th, Judge Here's another one. Shamstorm <laughs> approved a motion that Baker be sent to Warm Springs State Hospital for psychiatric evaluation. Yeah, you think? They can tell. Yes. So Harry Stroop had remained silent throughout this whole process. He had nothing to say, basically, and just he says that the only thing that he was guilty of was um, more was nothing more of having befriended a homicidal maniac and devil worshipper. <laughs> I mean, you. I feel like you would know that. 
you you that seems like something especially you, you traveled with this guy from montana to california uh-huh and you didn't think wow this guy's weird he keeps calling himself jesus <laughs> like what so and he has finger bones in his pocket yes and um he is uh still in jail still alive in jail and that's that <laughs> it's my story he's still alive yeah still alive in jail and then the other guys got off yeah, the other guy did not, uh, yes, Harry Stroop was not charged with anything because he says the only thing he was guilty of was choosing bad friends, apparently. I feel like he should be, like, in a, is he in a mental institution? Harry Stroop? No. Um, he's just nowhere, but the, or he's somewhere. <laughs> uh, the guy that this is about, the Stanley guy, Yeah. is in a mental institution. Okay, okay, yes. okay. Yes, and that's. Wowza! Yeah. I didn't think that. The decapitated body was going to turn into cannibalism. Yeah, but no. No, well, yeah, no. It's always I, an unexpected like, twist. Yes. And they, because it's like the 70s, they can, satanic panic was real. <laughs> so yeah. he can, I think that his type of case is what made everyone think that all murders were related to cults, but his is was one of them that was, in fact, satanic. Wild. Yes. That's wild. Yeah. So anyways, there's that. <laughs> Okay, so that was mine. Yeah, that, that was, was wild. Don't do LSD. <laughs> or eat people. Or so eat people. That's where we're at. Please don't eat people. Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it can make you crazier. Maybe it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. like, um. I think it's if you eat it's the It's like brain. mad cow disease. Yes. Yeah, you just, just get a little, human brain? I don't know. I but just, just feel like don't We're going to say humans. it's frowned upon. So <laughs> please do not Please don't eat, eat people. people. So anyways, what are you doing? Um, so <laughs> it's. Please don't eat. Please don't eat people. Sorry, this got me good. Hashtag please don't yes. eat people. Please don't eat people. Um, so today, in spirit of Halloween, I'm going to be talking about the Candyman. Yes, yes. So um, typically I give you like all the backstory to start out, all, like all about the person, everything like that. I'm going to kind of leave that open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about who ends up getting in trouble for this, but we're just going to jump into the story. So the night of October 31st, um, Halloween, obviously, in 1974, eight-year-old Timothy O'Brien was trick-or-treating with his five-year-old sister, Elizabeth, their dad, Ronald, and their friends from church, the Bates family. The Bates family that went with them consisted of the dad, Jim Bates, um, and then his two kids, Mark and Kimberly. Like many families do, the O'Briens decided to go trick-or-treating in the Bates family's neighborhood because it was more upscale. Ah, yes. Big candy bars. Right, right. Yeah, we always used to be like, well, where can I get a full-size candy bar? Let's go there. South Salem. Exactly. South Salem. Let's go. Now it's like West Salem Hills. Yes. Go out there. Um, so the kids were running People from- were like, where are you talking about? Yeah, they're like, we don't understand. Uh, but you understand where you go for big candy bars or the houses that you remember you got the big candy bars. Mm-hmm. We'll keep that actually in mind. My favorite was always the big, or like the best decor, like the scariest house. Oh, like, yeah. Go there. But a lot of times they had the big candy bars because they were invested. Yeah, they had a lot of money to do a lot with. <laughs> yeah. So the kids were running from house to house collecting candy when they went to a house that didn't have a porch light, which, I mean, we all know it's kind of, you avoid those houses. Yeah, because... it's like the, the universal sign for we're not home. Exactly. <laughs> but they still went up to it. I mean, this was in the 70s. Maybe it was more lax. People forgot to turn on their lights more. Maybe some um, just did Yeah, exactly. So the kids still ring the bell and Don or 
McDonald. Ronald was up there by their side waiting for someone to open the door. When no one did, the kids just decided to move on to the next house. And Jim, the other father, followed them from the street. And Ronald waited at this house for a minute. So a minute later, Ronald walked up to Jim and the children with five of the massive 21-inch pixie sticks. Oh. And he was like, and quote, you've got rich neighbors. Look what they're handing out. (laughs) Okay. So due to the weather, the families had to head back early because it started to rain. And Ronald handled, handed out a pixie stick for each of the children. So one for t- his two kids. Uh-huh. Um, and then one to each of the they Bates children. They were so committed to get those pixie sticks, too. Like, they were waiting and yeah. then split up. was like, I'll wait here. I'm yeah. sure there's going to be a good one. Well, no, Ronald's the dad. Oh, gotcha. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dad stuck back and he was like, oh, look, your neighbors are rich. Oh, they gave us these. Because uh-huh. the kids were like, okay, nobody's coming. We're running away. Yes. Okay. So he handed them off to each of the children, mm-hmm. and then he was like, oh, I'll eat this one myself. But then trick-or-treaters ended up coming to their house, so he handed off the last pixie stick to this little boy, Whitney, that was a local boy from church. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, so obviously, like we all did when they were we were younger, we were like, hey... Can I have a piece of my candy now? You mean like my four-year-old did this morning? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like that. So Timothy was like, Dad, can I have some of this candy before I go to bed? And Ronald's like, okay, but you can just have one. Ah. And of course, Timothy picks out the biggest candy, which we all would. Yeah. Um, And he starts to eat the pixie sugar. (laughs) Exactly. Just pouring it down his throat. So he was having issues getting the powder to actually come out of the pixie stick. So Ronald, the father, helped him by loosening it up. And then immediately Timothy complained that the taste was gross and bitter. Okay. So Ronald gave him some Kool-Aid to help with the taste. And Timothy... (laughs) Instead of just saying, don't eat this anymore, it's gross. Yeah, he was like, here, here's some Kool-Aid. And then Timothy started complaining of a stomach ache. He started puking and convulsing, ran to the bathroom. Um, Ronald said he held Timothy, called the police, and Timothy went limp in his arms. Um, And on the way to the hospital, within the hour of eating the pixie stick, Timothy died. Oh, that is every parent's worst nightmare. Exactly. Well, and I just remembered my mom would be like, make sure there's no air. And this was even in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was like, make sure there's no air. Or And nowadays, I'm probably going to be like, we'll go Uh trick-or-treating. Whatever I decide to get to this point in my life uh-huh. we're gonna go trick-or-treat trick-or-treating we gonna say. trick-or-treat kids. we gonna trick-or-treat <laughs> can't wait for you to be a mom so, and suddenly be from the south i guess <laughs> um so i'm like you yeah, at southern bell <laughs> no anyways so we're gonna go trick-or-treating and then i'm gonna be like you're gonna get all this candy i'm gonna throw all this goddamn candy in the garbage go to safeway buy a couple bags <laughs> refill it and be like okay here's your candy because i know we're okay you're just only over in my in my parent in my in-laws neighborhood yeah i'll just take you over there there's all the moms that care exactly i'll be like okay (laughs) um or i'm like this house looks a little shady here take this bag and then we toss one of the bags um (laughs) so i'll probably be a real paranoid human Mm -hmm. anyways um that's what parenting does to us it's great (laughs) (laughs) so well at the hospital ronald told the officers everything that had happened the eating of the candy the getting sick and the fact that they only made it basically they only made it to two streets Mm -hmm. due to the rain so they hit like a total of 48 houses. Ah. Um, so the officers immediately started investigating, knocking on all the houses um, that Hi, the families... Did you put things in there, Candy? <laughs> yeah, well, that? basically, they're like, hey, um, all the houses that they trick-or-treated at tried to get, um, like, samples of the candy. Uh-huh. Um, and then 
and probably needed to make the public aware. Hi, yeah. So a then they're also so they're also asking all the families if you have a child, go wake them up and make sure they're okay. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um. So they're knocking on all these doors, making sure that the public is aware of this. And then three of the pixie sticks were easily found because another one was with Timothy's sister, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. The other two were with the Bates children. And then when they went to, they called, or they contacted Whitney's family um, and his parents immediately were looking for it, could not find the pixie stick and were obviously freaking out. Yes. So they went up to his bedroom and he was literally cradling it like a teddy bear and he couldn't open it. Because of the staples oh. in the top. Oh, yeah, because they've been stapled. Ooh, yeah, not... so he couldn't open it. Oh, my gosh. And he was this still... Is... He was okay. Oh, God. I was like, oh, oh, she's yeah. talking slowly. <laughs> um, so once they were all tested, the pix- they realized the pixie sticks were laced with cyanide. Oh, um, God. Every pixie stick holding enough to kill two to four full-grown adults. Holy crap. So, on November 2nd, 1974, they buried the body of Timothy O'Brien. His father, Ronald, who was a deacon at the church and in the church's choir, sang a solo for his son, Timothy, that read in part how he was glad to know his son was in heaven now. Okay. So, the investigation continued. The police continued to ask Ronald where they had received the pixie six, and he could not recall until they literally walked around the block about three times. And he pointed out the home of Courtney Melvin. Ronald said that the owner did not turn on the lights. He just slightly cracked the door and a hairy arm popped out with five pixie sticks. <laughs> I just pictured like like a werewolf hairy arm. Yeah, just like an overly hairy. <laughs> yeah. I did too. The first time I was like, oh, it's a, a little. All weird story as it is, but a hairy arm. A very, just... and it just says hairy. Everywhere you look at, the, at this thing, it's like a hairy arm. He so he's like this. trying to imply that it could be a man or a werewolf. So at this time, they questioned Courtney, and he informed the officers he had been working that night of Halloween as an air traffic controller, and that he was not even home until 11 o'clock. And he probably had to pull up his arm and be like, see, not even that hairy. <laughs> not really hairy. <laughs> um, so with 200 witnesses at work, obviously, it was an yeah. air traffic controlman, okay. um, Courtney had an alibi, and... So, Suspicion on Ronald. Yeah. The father continued to grow. Mine too. So when they started looking into Ronald, they discovered he was in debt of $100,000. His car was about to be repossessed. He was on the verge of being fired from his job for theft. Um, Side note also, he was notorious for not holding jobs. He had worked 21 jobs in 10 years. Holy crap. Red flag. A lot of them. (laughs) He was also about to lose his house. And multiple of his loans with the bank had gone into default. Super. And then, to top it all off, they found out that at the beginning of the year, Ronald had taken out a $10,000 life insurance policy on each of his children. And then on October 3rd, just 28 days before Halloween, he added an additional $20,000 on each of his children, despite his insurance agent who was like, Hey, how about we do this insurance policy that when your kids turn a certain age, they're gonna get a pers- like some of this money, uh-huh. or and then it's he was basically like, nah, let's yeah. just up it further. He's like, no, just basically the death insurance. He wanted the life insurance. Oh, okay. so um, not suspicious. Yeah, so he's like, no, and then he's like, also, can, is there a loan where I can just sign and my wife doesn't have to? Oh Jesus, there was. Is there like- <laughs> 
Is there like a thing now that you have to report these sort of like things? suspicion? Yes. You would hope so. Because yeah, being a life insurance agent must be real weird. Like, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like the things that people secretly could you could you imagine if someone said that to you like you're that's your job and you're like Okay, sir. Also, do you have down. a red button under your desk that you're like, like emergency? Wee, wee, emergency. Oh, he's here. He's here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ugh. Um. So then, literally the morning after Timothy passed away, he called the insurance company asking them when he would be able to c- collect the insurance mon- money for Timothy. Need to say, as a parent, any time that things go wrong in my life or things are um, like everything, I always think. But at least I still got Lincoln. Yeah. He literally thought the opposite. Yeah. He's I've like, got all these mm. things are going crazy. What can I do? I know. Get rid of one of my children. Exactly. The <laughs> asshole. Yeah. So they kept digging and found out that right before Halloween, Ronald had gone to the chemical supply store in an effort to purchase cyanide. Oh. But after finding out that he could only purchase a five pound bag, he left empty handed. The Jesus. <laughs> what? Was he going to kill all of his children with cyanide? Well, no. They said you can only get a five-pound bag here. And oh. he was like, oh, that's a little much. Yeah. Oh, God. So yeah. he left. <laughs> that's suspicious. Um, so the police continued to question Ronald, but he kept his composure and continued to tell them, I'm innocent. It was not me. Mm-hmm. And remember, he's like a deacon in a church. Like, he's a member of this society. Outstanding like, yeah. citizen. So, despite not being able to find out where Ronald had purchased the cyanide, which nowadays I feel like would almost be a breaker, mm-hmm, <laughs> they'd mm-hmm. be like, well, <laughs> proof. Okay. Um, he was arrested on November 5th, so just six days after. Okay. Okay, um, good. That makes me feel better. In the murder of his son, Timothy. I mean, yeah. There, it, and the, uh, the scary part is that to, like, make himself seem or to throw off the they were he could have killed another kid. Someone else's kid. Well, and so been, they think that part of the plan, well... I, I think that a lot of it had to do with him trying to find, like, oh, well, there was multiple pixie sticks. It wasn't just my kid. Uh-huh. And then, but he was also trying to kill his other daughter, or his oh. daughter. Oh, oh, yeah, duh, because, yeah. He gave oh. them both one, and he had life insurance policies on both of them. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's concerning. Very I mean, it's all concerning, but. Yes, it's all concerning. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so Ronald's trial started on May 5th, 1975 for one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder in which he pled not guilty. So during the trial, there were multiple people that spoke out like a chemist he was friends with, um, who saw who Ronald actually questioned him about what dose of cyanide would actually be fatal. Okay. More red flags. (laughs) Friends and coworkers who said that he expressed a weird amount of interest in cyanide. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Por- report your friend to people. Like to if your mom. You came like, up to me and you're like, so cyanide. Like, have you? I'd be like. <laughs> I mean, for us, I feel like it's a, j- a pretty normal conversation. That's true. But if any of our other if friends, <laughs> I suddenly am like, how much do you think it would take to kill someone? Red flag. I'd that be shit. Like, um, Google. Text Travis. Can you immediately Google afterwards? And be like, also, Whoa. I'm going to pick up your child. I'm gonna take it for ice cream. <laughs> And we're hiding from you for a long time. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, um, and then the morning of Timothy's funeral, he told his brother and sister-in-law that with the insurance money he was getting, like, of his funeral, he's like, I'm going to take that insurance money and I'm going to take the family on vacation. Which, what about the debt you're in? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's definitely part of it. But I also thought of it as, like, I mean, with the whole vacation thing, like, it could be, like, in honor of him, and we're going to go do something great We're going to go family. do something happy. But which... then also, it could also be, like, just very narcissist, which yeah. I'm sure is what it is. That's as he's just, like, 
well now we're gonna go on this vacation and, we'll just and then people are about like it okay well, we're also at your son's funeral so chill the fuck yeah, out you dude not talk about that right now yeah so basically he was just looking guiltier and guiltier by the second yeah like that's not the most suspicious thing ever but all the other things just make that more suspicious yeah you're <laughs> that like, kind of behavior Ugh. yeah absolutely um but overall on june 3rd 1975 the jury took only 46 minutes to find ronald guilty holy shit that's fast right <laughs> on the cap or on the count of capital murder and all four counts of attempted murder and after only 71 minutes they decided to sentence him to death oh okay um, so during his uh, time at death row, it was known that all of the other death row inmates, like they said, he had absolutely no friends and they all hated him because of the nature of his crime, which is like, Duh. you killed your child. Uh-huh. Um, good, as it should be. Exactly. And I was like, good. Yeah. I appreciate that. His execution was scheduled on August 8th, 1980, but his attorney sexually petitioned sexfully <laughs> i was like whoa what? uh we're just sexfully. gonna we're just gonna go right past the word sexfully like <laughs> his attorney successfully um scheduled a state execution oh. sorry about that guys um i'm not i'm happy right. about it yeah. sexfully is a new verb sexfully come on i'm thankfully and i'm sexfully i'm happy this had nothing to do with sex crimes because then it could have got weird. oh yeah it would have been not but, good, but it didn't so. this is still awful yeah, this is very terrible. Very, very terrible. Um, his second date was May 25th, 1982, but that day was also postponed. The third date was October 31st, 1982. On Halloween. Where the judge literally offered to drive Ronald to the execution. <laughs> He's like, we're trying to kill you. We want you to die, and I, I, I will personally drive you there. To your death. Um, what an interesting judge. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that would be me if I was a judge. I'll take you. Hey, I am for... Volunteer. I'm for killing people. Can we... Uh... Um, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> um, and he was set to be actually the first person to die of lethal injection in Texas. Oh. But it was delayed again. Oh, damn. And even though they tried for another delay on March 31st, 1984, Ronald was executed by lethal injection. Okay. And in his last statement, he continued to maintain his innocence Mm -hmm. and said, quote, I forgive all, and I do mean all, those who have been involved in my death. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. Oh, that's an interesting, nice thing to say to people right before you die. But, like, we know you killed... Like, there wasn't a hairy arm. This guy was at work. <laughs> there was like, no werewolf handing were, out. Um, obsessed <laughs> with pixie... Or pixie sticks. Probably those two. Yeah. But cyanide. Yeah. You have been killed suspicious. your child. You killed your kid. You're trying to act like I you am didn't. surprised, honestly. Like, nowadays, I don't think they would have been able to pin him without more evidence. No, it's... it's uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Circumstantial. Yes. Yeah. It's too circumstantial, I think. But also... There, I'm pretty sure that there's a way advancement in forensics that they could have found like oh for of sure him on there or definitely you know? like the pixie pixie sticks. I mean, yes, they handed them to you, but also like I don't know they they could have and everybody has like ring now, so there's like cameras. Yeah, that's there true. was no hairy arm. No, the <laughs> door did not open. <laughs> yes. It was all you. We you pulled them from pulled like your pants or your jacket, yeah. and now people are dead. Um, but I think it's very interesting that he just still was like, I'm a man of God and I'm innocent. I mean, that's, I, I think that's part of the narcissism. Yeah. Narcissism? Jesus. What are words today? We don't know, apparently. Sexfully. (laughs) 
our narcissism. Yeah, but I think that that I I think that's part of his like persona. Like I know yeah. I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy yeah. till death. How are you guys? How could you do this to somebody so innocent? And great. Yeah. Well, how could you do that to your kid? Yeah. <laughs> you're a shit human. So yeah. Um, a positive. His wife did uh, get remarried. And oh, good. That guy adopted their daughter. So. Oh, good. So that's, positives on that, but, but yeah. f the Candyman. Yeah, f I didn't. Candy man. I hated the Candyman enough because when I was a kid, and I used to watch the Candyman, and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. So yeah, like, I still I'm watch like, it, but it scared me. Also, hate the Candyman now. Yes, the real one. That one. Ooh, and hated the hated. other one. They also call him the guy, like the killer that ruined Halloween or something. And I'm like, both names I mean, accurate. Truly, because. He tried to make every, he is the one who set that panic of, oh my gosh, people are putting stuff and it's him. Yeah. And he did it to his own child. Yeah. So people aren't really, I mean, I did see a thing the other day of some, some mom somewhere is like, I'm not taking them out this year because I'm so afraid that people are going to be handing out edibles to my children as like a joke. And someone was like, have you seen how expensive those things are? No one's giving them out to your kids for free. Shut up. <laughs> so I'm like, so accurate. also true. And they're like, we also um, like to get high. So th- those are going to stay to ours. We'll give your kids candy. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, like mm, I'm mine. like, it's true. People get a little bit irrational, but it's because of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He well, it. that's why I'm saying I'll probably honestly do what I said earlier. I'll probably like <laughs> just buy big bags of candy. Yeah. And then I'll be like, Oh, replace. Okay. Yeah, we're good. We know these are, for the most part. Sorry. And then the full size one, I'll be like, sorry, I ate it. Yeah. Oh, that's Have you watched the Jimmy Kimmel where he is like, sorry, kids, I ate your candy? Oh, yes. I fucking watch those all the time. Yes. Especially, like, if I've been drinking and I'll just watch, and all these kids just cry. And the ones that are you so. Watch weird things. No, and so the ones that are super cute and they're like, it's okay, mom. Oh. And I'm like, oh. I, they're so sweet. And then some of them are just little assholes. Yes. And I'm like, oh, no. There are some kids that throw the biggest tantrums. I've seen some of those videos. And I'm like, I can't prank my child and do this because I don't want to find out that he's one of those kids. <laughs> I don't want to find out you're a dick. <laughs> no, I don't need to find out that that's... No, I'm pretty sure he would just cry. But I think still. he would cry and be like, it's okay, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> and then he cries and you're like, I'm getting I'm, I'm so just getting right here. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to hold it very But long. Travis is just in the background cracking Travis up. Travis like, but I did actually eat all of your candy. Yeah. Because Travis <laughs> wouldn't be the guy to prank. He'd be like, whoops, actually I ate all your candy. My bad. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Yep. So, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we both, go. We both so yeah to you guys at the yeah. same time. Um, I mean. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Crime Web's out. <laughs>